Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, co-host Scott Martin here. It is a Thursday morning as you are listening. We are 15 days away. I actually haven't decided. There's a peek behind the curtain. There's been either Trey Waynes or Angelo Gross. Big number 15s for Michigan State. We'll see what I end up putting out tomorrow. Uh, You'll know by the time you're listening to this. But as we are recording, it is 16 days away. Aaron Burbridge days away from MSU football. Scott, what was your favorite Aaron Burbridge catch? Was it that Penn State double spin move dive into the end zone or the Air Force like back shoulder diving, jumping corner of the end zone? However, you could describe that one because those two were just was that the front corner one? Highlights. Yep, yep, yeah, probably the front corner one. I honestly think it was like a little bit more athletic of a play. The the spin move, the double spin on Penn State was really flashy, obviously, but that getting the side of his foot down essentially yeah. with like a horizontal leg with the rest of his body completely out of bounds, one of the best college catches i've ever seen uh, in that context like get getting a foot down catches yeah one of the best i've ever seen and the body contortion it took to get in a position to catch the ball was also quite the feat man he was so good that year like when i posted this morning i went back and relived some of those highlights he was absolutely ridiculous i think he he has still has the program record for catches in the season um, but anyways, we got a bunch of stuff to get to today. We had last uh, on Monday, last episode, we talked about predicting the depth chart really for the offense, kind of going too deep across every position and kind of making our predictions, what we think is going to happen there. Today's the defense, which I think is a lot more interesting because not only are you trying to predict which players are going to be in the lineup, but which formations we're going to be using and like we don't even know that right like in the old days with narduzzi you knew exactly what the positions were going to be it's just a matter of filling the right player into that position now it's like first you have to predict what you think the formation is going to look like because i don't think anybody is a hundred percent certain about that and then you have to put the players in there 
also knowing that a lot of these players are going to be playing multiple spots. It'll be really interesting. Uh, we'll get through all of that. Uh, I mentioned last uh, episode, and we'll mention it again today. It's not fully live yet. We're still working through some kinks, but we are going to do a season-long picks contest. Uh, it's on Run Your Pool. So if you want to download, the app is in the App Store. If you want to just download it and kind of mess around with it, be my guest. We'll send out the uh, invitations there on social all of next week, of course, leading up to week zero of college football, which is next weekend, which is crazy. Um, subscribe, tell your friends, family, all of that fun stuff. And uh, other than that, let's uh, let's jump right into the news. The, the biggest news of the weekend, of the week, I should say, in college football, the AP preseason rankings were released. And I know preseason rankings. Michigan State came in at number 15. Scott, any... Uh, extreme thoughts one way or the other on that um i know you you sent a kind of a goldilocks poll out to the group to the followers right too high too low just right too hot too cold just right yep for those who aren't familiar with that story um i personally i'll just i'll respond to that i think it is just right bordering on too high um I hater. <laughs> I think these polls they they take it last year way too much into account. Not only for Michigan State, but just in general. Like they, the writers, honestly, who have votes for the AP, they don't have time to go through preseason storylines, who's back, who's gone, um, previews for every team. They have jobs, they have lives, and um. Yeah, they're they're busy doing them, so it's it's really impossible for them to get for to get to expect every one of them to get a good read on this season. It's the same as any of us. Um, the true diehards like Kevin will dive in and read everything they can on previews, but most of us don't. Um, it's almost as if we should have like a group of media people whose job it is to read through all of those storylines that would be crazy way too much kevin it you almost like it would almost votes. like people like that you can give them votes for some kind of a poll it would almost be like if we had an award right hear me out at the end of the year we have an award and we call it let's name it after like an old college football joe theisman or something. The, yeah the right theisman the, award. the theisman award let's call it and we had a group of media people who vote on the award and who's the best player in college football. And we have a bunch of media people whose job it is to watch all of these college football games and determine things like this. And they, and they all vote for the award and, and everybody's happy with the results in the end because the media people actually have watched these players and, and know what's going on. That, that would be crazy. Can you imagine? We we need to make something out of the Theisman Award. I don't know if we'll have to pay like licensing to to Joe Theisman, but uh, that has potential. Uh, no, back to Michigan State. I think it's it's a good spot. We we were texting about this. I think like the the mid to high teens, up to maybe the low twenties, depending on how cynical you are. Uh, it it feels like kind of the sweet spot for this MSU team. That said, I do sometimes get a different read on it when I'm like thinking about, Oh, what number sounds right. And then when I go and look at the list of teams and I'm like, there's not 
Like 15 yeah. feels kind of high, but there's not many teams like obviously better than MSU. So in that respect, I come kind of come back down to earth. 15 feels like where I'd probably end up putting. I might have them a little higher if I sat down to do it, but that's just the green colored glasses. Yeah, I mean, you start looking at it, and ahead of us is let's say Oklahoma State at 12, and I'm like, yeah, 15 feels pretty high, but like Oklahoma State, they lost their defensive coordinator, their quarterback Spencer Sanders, like what? <laughs> better than Oklahoma state. But then you look behind us a couple of spots and you see like Wisconsin and Arkansas and you're like, eh, okay, I could see them being ranked ahead of us. Right. So it's just, I think these polls are basically like, who are the top, I don't know, five to seven ish, 10 ish. And then everybody else. I mean, even if I were doing this, you probably get to about 15 to like, 35 and you just kind of have this giant group of teams that you're like these are all pretty darn similar i i don't know i guess i'll throw this team in there and that's also the point like the 15 to 20 where the ballots stop having all the same teams so like one through 10 they might not all be in the top 10 but all those teams are on everyone's ballot so you get a really good read on where you think the national consensus is of where that team should lie but if you're trying to rank like the 22nd team in the country you might have uh, how many ballots are there like 60 i don't know give or take yeah um you might have across those 60 ballots 45 different teams in that 22 spot a lot of which aren't even in the top 25 so it starts to get really inconsistent anyway um nebraska got one vote i think from brett mcmurphy brent brett i don't know uh for number 25, like as an example. So, yeah, but anyway, 20, I mean, 22 teams in the others receiving votes. So you're looking like at like Utah States in there, Kansas State, Mississippi State, Auburn, Minnesota. Like there's a lot of teams ranging from, from like Penn State, who you think like, or I think probably should be ranked to San Diego State, where you're like, really? <laughs> yeah a couple votes for or against a team in that 21 to 25 range can be the difference from being like 22 to like not ranked so yeah. huge grain of salt for any of these rankings obviously as always uh it does not matter um it will matter a little more but still really won't matter until the college football playoff rankings start to come out uh what is that week seven or eight yeah halfway through the season a little further um so yeah i mean it it feels right it feels good to be coming into a season in the mid-teens um i think if mark d'antonio was our coach and we didn't have like all the marketing power and like just general love nationally the last couple years we'd probably be like 22 Uh, that's just (laughs) the reality of media-based polls and college football and everything like you got to have eyes on your program to get more votes. And I think the Mel Tucker effect is good for five spots, give or take. Yeah. And you mentioned the poll put up on Twitter too high, too low, just right, just right with 73, 74% of the vote. So most people agree with you is, is right around that spot. Too low was uh, about 18% too high, eight and a half percent. That cracks me up that there's, twice as many people who think it's too low than too high <laughs> uh i love our fans 
but uh, it cracks me up. Yeah. So, I mean, I am, yeah, I'm, I'm basically right there with you. I, I think you're somewhere in between 15 to 21, probably anything in that. And I'd pretty much be okay with it. Um, you start seeing people ranking us in like the top 10 and that makes me really nervous. And you see people ranking us at like 24 and you're like, Oh, come on, give us a little credit here. So yeah, somewhere in there, I'm good with it. The other real program news from this week, we can decide if it's like big news or not, but it's news to speak of at least. Um, the, the rumors out of Michigan state fall camp, Hamp Fay, previously of quarterback lore, is moving to safety, which is very interesting. We're talking about predicting our defensive starters here, Scott. Is is Hamp Fay coming for Xavier Henderson's job? You know, this reminds me of the flagpole that is in Ohio State's that's on their field behind the uh, the kicking the field goal net. Mm-hmm. You know, because Hamp Fay's six five. Uh, putting him at safety, he's going to look like that flagpole standing Plus, out like, in the back of our defense. Just... Two, two twenty, two thirty. He's he's a big dude. Maybe not two thirty. That's a stretch, but I don't. <laughs> I'd have to go back and watch his high school tape again. But like you, you, t- you said this before we got on. Like the transition to tight end. Like you don't need to be that much. You really don't need to be more athletic than an athletic quarterback to play tight end might need to put on some bulk, get the technique down. Obviously you got to have some hands, but like you don't need to be that much faster. You're probably, if you're a bigger quarterback already built for it, like six, five to 20, you could make that into a tight end, you know, and he, and he played some receiver. He yeah. played some receiver in high school. So the whole like running routes, catching the ball, that's, that's a thing for him. Right. But the transition for a six foot five quarterback to go play division one safety, like him trying to cover Jackson Smith and Jigba running a, a seam <laughs> route. I mean, it's, it feels like a depth move. Like I, I don't, yeah. I don't want to hate the guy, but the, I would be amazed if Hamp Faye found his way to like meaningful reps at a safety position on our defense. Yeah, so we'll see if if we agree. We've got the depth chart coming up here soon. We'll see if uh, Hamp Faye is not is on my list. Correct, I'll tell you too right deep. Now. Uh, I'll I'll tease it. I'll tease it. Uh, but football fans, join the next generation of fantasy football with Rainmakers Football, the first ever NFT game from DraftKings. It's the only NFT game licensed by the NFLPA. Now you can play all season for millions in prizes by building the ultimate NFT franchise right now. Everyone can get their first full roster starter pack for free. Playing Rainmakers is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player card NFTs are the biggest name in the game through regular drops and auctions on DraftKings Marketplace. Craft lineups of athletes from your NFT collection. Earn points for uh, fantasy football stuff, touchdowns, yards, all that fun stuff. Build your NFT franchise and enter free Rainmakers football contests all season long to compete for millions in prizes. The next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings daily fantasy app now. Sign up with promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in to get your first card free. Play for millions in prizes all season long while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN. 
build, play, win only at DraftKings. Can contest entries depend on type and number of NFTs held? Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, so we're getting into the defense here. Um, we we kind of figuring out how to do this, man. I was sitting down this morning with my coffee before work, and I'm like, I'm just gonna pull out a pen, a piece of paper. I'm just gonna start drawing some stuff up and start writing this thing down because I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go with this. And I ended up with basically three different things that I'll I'll run through, a couple of them quicker than others. So what I did, because we've talked about for weeks, if not months now, that we think that there's going to be a little bit more of a multiple defense here this year where you're going to see the 4-2-5, right? That's what we've been playing as basically our base defense. But maybe there's some 3-4 incorporated there. Um, so I did a 4-2-5 and I did a 3-4 defense just to see what that would look like. I don't really know if that's going to happen like we're kind of thinking it might but we'll see and then i i had some fun i threw together a third down package that i think is is fun so we'll go through that pretty quick too but let's start with what we know as our base defense right just the the four two five that we've been running very consistently for the last two years and we'll start with Let's start with uh, the defensive line. Let's start close to the line of scrimmage. Um, some parts of this may be easy. Some parts may be more difficult. Uh, but Scott, if you want to just run across, I'm assuming you also did a 4-2-5, right? I did, yes. So we'll, we'll run through that defensive line real quick. All right. Um, I think this is kind of chalk uh, for a four-man front. Bogle, Slade, Barrow, Petrowski. Slade and Barrow yep. were clearly the two starters on the inside last year. Although we have seen a lot of changes, even guys moving over other guys who were already on the depth chart the previous year, you know, last year we thought Hunt and Mallory because they were splitting reps next to um, Naquan, Naquan Jones, Jones two yeah. years ago. So we're like, all right, one of them will, will fill in. And then we had two new starters at tackle, but those tackles were great. And I expect them to continue that and and be our starters. The defensive ends, uh, I think it's pretty clear from what the messaging we've heard from um, the the coaching staff that Bogle and Petrowski are the top two. My question is, where do you put them? Is Bogle playing on the strong side and Petrowski on the weak side because Bogle is a little bigger frame? But then again, Petrowski's kind of like a little stockier like just the yeah, he's, heavier set he's got you know? 10 pounds on him if you're yeah. if you're trusting the roster so so that's one thing to keep an eye on i i think you put bogle on the strong side just because he's a little bigger but first storyline for me is is who's who's taking on that strong side jacob panashuk was typically our strong side defensive end last year although beasley and panashuk both were i think physically a little bit bigger than either of these guys um so that's interesting. Uh, we'll go too deep right off the bat here. And this is at edge really where things get strange. And I, why I think we're going to need multiple sets because I just don't think we have a good four man rotation at defensive end. Brandon Wright will definitely be a package guy. Uh, it has been said by the coaching staff that he's developing into a three down guy, but like we've talked about that on the pod. I believe when I see it. Yeah. And 
on the other name I have down here, Michael Fletcher, just another year of hoping Michael Fletcher makes things happen. Um, I think he might be like a Drew Jordan of last year, right? Where it's a guy on the strong side. He can fill Mm -hmm. the gap. He can make a few tackles, but he's not going to blow plays up very often. That actually might be a perfect comp for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's kind of a rotational guy that like, you're not going to be scared when he's in there because, you know, he'll kind of do his job and it'll be all right, but you're not really, we're done expecting the big splash plays and the, crazy production it's just kind it's of not a, will a steady body in there we were hoping forever he would turn into will golston he's just not that um and that's okay you need rotational guys and sometimes guys just meet their ceiling for one reason or another um on the inside i have like a f- five deep on the inside um <laughs> i think you're just gonna see a rotation of maverick hansen deshaun mallory jalen hunt and maybe Derek Harmon. there's been a lot of yeah. Derek Harmon chatter um even the first couple weeks, I think you see Alex Van Summeren in there too. Just all five guys rotating. And then I think Van Summeren will probably, I don't know if we'll need to redshirt him fully, but I think he'll probably drop out of the regular rotation pretty early. I would think they'd want to get it down to like a five guy rotation for most of the big 10 season, but having seven guys who can play is certainly not a bad thing. Yeah. Well, and, and this is where it comes into play too. Like, are you always going to have a four man front? Are you going to have a three man front at time? Like a lot of this stuff. And this is part of, I'll give my disclaimer where there's some players that I chose to be backups in some spots, because what I wanted to do is give 22 unique players here. So like, certain guys i think are maybe not a quote-unquote starter but are regular rotation guys who are quote-unquote backups for like three different positions right so i there's going to be some names where you're going to be listening to this and you're like what that's kind of my disclaimer i don't think this is a true if this guy gets hurt this guy goes in and that's it it's this guy's going to be playing a lot in like three different spots and I'll just put him as the backup here just for the sake of having a backup here. But starters, same thing, Bogle, Slade, Barrow and uh, Petrovsky. I, I, I would be pretty surprised if uh, it turned into anything other than those four as the starters for the backups. Same thing on the interior. I think you're going to see a heavy rotation. The two, Next highest snap counts, I guess, if we'll go that way, is is I have Hanson and Hunt. Maverick Hanson, low-key third in the team in uh, in snaps from the interior. And so I don't really expect that to change. And one of the most productive. I mean, yeah, you look at that. He had a very quiet but season last year for his production. He was the third best tackle last season. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you really watch the tape and look at the stats, it's hard to argue that. And I'll I'll put Fletcher as well as the a backup strong side. The weak side, I put this is gonna be the first name that will jump out as as being strange. I put Jacoby Winman because again, he has a whole season of experience being an edge defender. Like that this isn't just like a guy who played linebacker, who is pretty versatile, can is good at blitzing and stuff. 
This is a guy who played the edge and played it really, really well at UNLV and then switched to linebacker. So this is a guy, I, th- I think he's going to play a lot of linebacker for us. But I also think there's a pretty high chance of him lining up quite a few snaps with his hand in the dirt. Um, and and maybe we'll get to that later. We'll see. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of what I would think there for the linebacker spots in our 4-2-5. And the reason that I have Winman listed as a backup D-end is I have Cal Halliday and Darius Snow as the two starters. I think Halliday's your Mike linebacker, your kind of first and second down, good thumper, isn't a total liability in pass coverage, hopefully, after another year of of developing and, and learning his keys. And he's athletic enough to be pretty good in coverage. He just really seemed lost last year. And I think I've I've been thinking a lot about this, and I'll get to this a bit more when when I bring up my third down package. But Quaver's crouch was a liability in pass coverage last year, most of the year. And when you added Holiday in there, who has the potential to be good in pass coverage, but wasn't last year, like a lot of the problems with the pass coverage was you had two linebackers who individually neither of them could cover. And so when you think about, well, we brought in two guys in the portal and then we moved Darius Snow down to linebacker. I think a large part of that was just like, we need a guy in there who can cover. And if that's a, if that's a big enough priority, I think Snow, I, I would be so shocked if Darius Snow isn't one of the best three to four players on this defense. So he's going to start somewhere. So I'll put him at that other linebacker spot along with Halliday. Especially with the struggles we've had, at, I'll call it the three safety positions if you throw nickel in there as a safety. It doesn't make sense to move Darius Snow out of that group unless he's going to make a huge impact at linebacker right. and start. Right. Because he could start as a safety on this team. So why would you move him down just to plug up the bench? I also have Halliday and Snow. We talked about this two or three episodes ago, and I haven't been able to get the idea out of my head since then. Yeah, uh, I love it. They're both it's... young. They Halliday has three years of eligibility. Snow has three, including this year, because he's a junior. But again, he was COVID around season. for COVID. So they could anchor this defense for a long time. And Brule and Winman are going to are going to age out earlier than both of those guys. So I think having a foundational duo in there is going to be really helpful to develop. Um, yeah. So I had both of them in there as well. I agree this, especially this group is going to have tons of looks. I think you've got six guys who you could put in there. Nateote and Van Summerin are certainly imperfect, but if they find a package or you're just desperate to get a body in there for a breather, I think you can, you can trust either of them enough to put them on the field. So that's where where I put Winman as a backup edge guy. I have Brule backing up Snow, and then I I have Van Sumer in backing up Holiday. Have you been reading about these guys are hyping up Ben Van Sumer in in uh, in this camp so far? He won. You know, like uh, Jason Novak does his like speed award, strength award, power award every week through the the training program through the summer. He won like every other award every week. <laughs> it was ridiculous. 
And then all of the words I've seen coming out of camp are this guy is flying around making plays and he looks awesome. So I think if there were a situation where like Halliday goes down, he's our Mike and you're looking for kind of that, that more prototype first and second down big 10 linebacker. I'm taking my shot now at saying maybe that's Van Sumeren. So I'll put him as the backup there. But again, I have Winman as a backup edge. I think Winman's going to play a lot of linebacker too. A lot of this is kind of just fluid, but uh, that's kind of how I have it. I have Winman behind Halliday and Brule behind Snow. Yeah. Um, but because they're both stacked linebackers, I I think it's more interchangeable than a lot of other positions. Um, a lot of similarities on either side. Do you like speaking of Ben Van Summeren? Are you a fan of like the dinner platter neck plate roll <laughs> thing that he wears? I love it. Yeah. I, I love it's linebackers a with a neck roll. <laughs> uh, it's got to slow you down. That's like wearing a parachute on your neck. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, not that Ben Van Summer has to worry too much about it. He's more of a power guy, but he's always been strong. Like when he came in, when he transferred in, the, the conversation was this dude's super athletic, super strong. So I have no yeah. doubt about that. Regarding the like translation to the field playing really well, I'm I'm a little higher on him than Michael Fletcher, but it's still kind of a wait and see guy for me. Like I don't want to sure. get my hopes up that he could legitimately fill in for an injured Cal Halliday until I really see him live. Uh, yeah, but- again, I, all the other linebackers who filled in last year, now Teote and Van Sumer, like let's call it like it is. They all were pretty rough yeah. <laughs> when they came in. It was, it was not pretty. We didn't really have any complete linebackers last year. Cal Halliday was exciting. He made a ton of plays and gave us tons to be excited about. Quaveras Crouch was hot and cold and everyone behind the two of them was just like at yeah. times bad. They, they flashed, but at times they were bad. So, so the, the back five, I, I would be pretty surprised if you had anything different, I guess. Outside corners, Ronald Williams, Amir Speed. Safeties, Xavier Henderson, Angelo Gross. And the nickel spot, Chester Kimbrough. That's what everyone's been saying. Yep. I still hate Angelo Gross playing free safety and not closer to the line of scrimmage. I but I don't, there's just no... There's options in the pipeline, but as far as guys who have seen the field, there's no one else you can put up there. And I was thinking about this too. I'm like, if if I were Angelo Gross, would I transfer? <laughs> as just like a, I know this is not the best position for me. I want to make it to the NFL one day, right? That's every player's goal. If you're starting at a Michigan State, your goal is to make it to the NFL. And him playing free safety is not the best path to do that. I was thinking about it. Like, would you think about transferring just to go to a school who will promise you, Hey, we will play you here and you know, whatever it is. And, but it's just like, well, you're not going to leave a school that's starting you at safety and winning 11 games because you want to play a different position. Like that doesn't make any sense, but it is, it's so frustrating watching it. Cause you're like, I know this is ultimately the best decision for this team. But it sucks for him because you just every time he plays up close to the line of scrimmage, he's making plays on the ball. He's electric. Now you put him back there at free safety and it just it's it's not clicking. 
maybe this year it clicks after a whole season and a whole off season. I don't know, but I, I love his game. Like what he does well, it's so fun to watch, but you remember last year we started the year, Michael Dowell got like the first three starts of the year. And by like yep. game four or five, Darius snow was, had taken his job. I wouldn't be, I'd, I'd be kind of surprised but I wouldn't be upset if, if that was the Angelo gross storyline this season, I would feel bad for him for, for the reasons you just mentioned. I think he would be losing his job only because he's not in his natural position. Right. And it's just, he's a good football player, right? He's just not in the best spot, but like if Jaden Mangum or Dylan Tatum or somebody just like explodes in fall camp and becomes the backup for the first couple weeks and then just has great games in the tune-up games. We test him out at Washington. He holds his own. I'd love to find a real, a real safety to play center field for us. Like, and maybe that frees up Angelo gross to go challenge Chester Kimbrough at nickel. Right. right? Maybe he can't do that right now because we don't have a free safety and he's the best option. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I have the same front five just to kind of go into those guys a little bit more. The corners are a huge linchpin in this defense. Like Ronald Williams was like 70% good last year. Like he, when he was on, he was on, but Mm -hmm. just like the whole defense, when he was off, it got ugly. And some of that, I don't know. I I think having a mere speed on the other side, if he pans out, is just going to make quarterbacks a lot more nervous in general to go after this defense because they won't feel like they have kind of a scapegoat to go to Amir speed could be not a defensive Kenneth Walker. I won't say that but only <laughs> the only reason that came in my mind is, is to say he could be one of the best players on the team. Yeah. If he pans out, like he has that much hype around him. And if that comes to fruition, he could be a dude where we look back after this season and we go like, I can't believe we didn't have a mere speed before this year, because he is like, the heart and soul of this defense now. The the optimistic side of me says, all right, we play cover three. And who is in in the sport of football at any level, the team that has defined the cover three defense? It was those Seattle Seahawks teams, right? And those Seahawks teams had Richard Sherman and Brandon Browner. And they were both like 6'2", 6'3", corners who were long, they were physical, and them being able to jam those outside receivers at the line of scrimmage and not allow them to beat anybody deep opened up everything else. And the optimistic side of me says, you got two corners who are both like 6'2", 6'3", long, they're both physical, and if you if you get the best out of them, that could really open things up, right? That could really change things. But again, I mean, Amir Speed, we just haven't really seen enough of it. He started three games last year, and they were the first three games of the season. And Ronald Williams was hot and cold, so I, I don't really know what to think at the end of the day. Kimbrough at, at nickel is really interesting. He struggled outside last year. Let's just call it like it is. He made some plays. We all remember the Nebraska overtime interception, but he it was it was worse more often than it was good. And um, 
everybody's been raving about him in the nickel saying he looks a lot more comfortable there. I hope so. Um, but we'll see. I mean, at outside corners, I mean, the backups are pretty obvious to me. Again, Marquis Lowry, Chuck Brantley, those were the backups last year slash starters when they needed to be. And I, I would be surprised if it was anyone different. Um, backups at safety. <laughs> this is this was a dart throw. I put Tate Halleck at strong safety. He's big. He's physical. Um, the other guys we haven't seen, I put Jaden Mangum at free safety because you know that's my guy. Um, and at nickel, I I took a dart throw. I've heard some good things, whispers and rumors out of camp um, of a young player who has surprised some people. I put Aid Willie in there. I think he he prototypes a little more to an outside guy, but the staff has brought him up multiple times as a young player that's really standing out. And there's not really any obvious options at nickel other than Darius Snow. Uh, so I was kind of between like him and Dylan Tatum, but I ended up going with Aid Willie. They, they've brought up his name multiple times coming out of camp. So I'll throw the freshman in there. I also have Lowry and Brantley at corner. I think that's almost a given if they're healthy. Kendall Brooks also found the field at the end of last season. So if he took a big step forward this off season, I could see him getting in the mix a little bit if we needed it. Um, but I, he didn't show what Lowry, Lowry and Bla- oh man, Lowry and swallowed my tongue and Brantley uh, both showed potential to be legitimate big 10 corners yeah. last season. Brooks was a stopgap, and I think could end up being a rotational guy, but I'm not sure he has the same ceiling. Um, at free safety, I put Jaden Mangum. It's so thin, and he's he seems like a prototype, right? So if your hand's really pressed, I think you could put him out there. Strong safety, I think it depends. I, I got two names here because I think it depends what part of the season we're talking about. Week one, Xavier Henderson goes down, knock on wood. Hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> I've got Tate Halleck because he's got enough time in the program, right? That he understands what's going on out there. I put Dylan Tatum as like a guy later yeah, in the season. I thought about that. That could uh, that could pack up the depth chart. I think he's got potential. Just can't expect a guy to uh, to be ready week one in a position like that. Nickel, definitely the hardest one on this list for me. I put Justin White because he was a package yeah. guy at nickel last year as Good like call. a speed rushing guy who he didn't only rush last year. If you watch the tape, he did get some time in the i mean it was it was he he played of, more snaps as the season went on yeah for well, sure we were thin it we were playing more right a lot of corners at nickel last season and um i think he could i think he's got he's more than just fast i think he's got a little bit in his skill set that he hasn't shown yet um i think he could fill in at nickel and uh and make a difference he's twitchy enough. and for th- and for those who are listening, you you probably know the name, but he didn't play a ton last year. If you're trying to remember Justin White, Justin White, he came off of the that slot corner blitz and hammered Cade McNamara. Targeted the hell out hammered of him. him. <laughs> Just straight like two-footed dive, top of the head, <laughs> square in the chest of Cade McNamara. That was yeah, that was um you know the the call that they never make anymore, but that was spearing <laughs> to, the, to the nth degree. Yeah. That was a. <laughs> he was like a torpedo, just straight spine in a straight line, straight into the chest of. Yeah. 
Uh, and Kate actually. So if you're trying I mean, to remember, not... like, I remember that name, but I can't remember any plays. That was the play. <laughs> I love that call on that play of Gus Johnson. He's like, whoa, somebody just screamed in. That was not number 30. <laughs> just, Justin White. Just has, like, you could tell he had not read that name off the roster no. once in prep. He's waiting for the guy in his ear. Like, it's. Yeah. Number 30, as he's like waving his arm, like, come on, come on, feed me the name. Who's the name? Come on, somebody give me a name. <laughs> um, I think he could make a flash. I'm, I already mentioned I'm super excited to see him on special teams. You know, there's those guys that just like are born to excel at special teams, and that's definitely Justin White. But if if our hands pressed, I think he could fill in at, at nickel. Um, yeah, so let's dive into some of the kind of not outliers, um, packages, other yeah. Looks. Yeah, I wanted to have some fun here. Um, to to make it simple, I, the secondary is going to be the same. I mean, you're not really going to change your personnel around. It's this is mostly just moving people around in the front six, front seven. So you're still going to have Gross and Henderson, still going to have Speed and Williams. But I did put together a three-four. Now we've talked about this. Like, if you're playing a Wisconsin or a Minnesota, do you want to throw another guy in the box? And what I did is moved. So if if we're running a three four, I think your your optimal D line, your front three, is you're going to have Barrow lined up on the nose, and and maybe we talk about like sub package rotational guys. Maybe this is where like the Derek Harmon niche that he carves out when we go three four. Derek Harmon's playing the nose because he's like three forty he's pretty much tailor made for that spot. So maybe that's a guy you throw in there. Um, Jalen hunt also uh, a name to look for if we do something like that uh, at the nose, but I'm, I'm trying to get the best players on the field. And I think Barrow is one of our best players. And then uh, outside of him, you have Slade and Petrovsky. So I think that would be your, your front three. I think Petrovsky he's listed at like two fifty. I mean, he's big enough to play, um, inside on a three, four. And then at linebacker, if you're going the two edge guys outside on the line of scrimmage, Aaron Brule, Jacoby Winman, those guys would be awesome in those roles. Um, they're both really good at rushing the passer. If need be, they're both really good at playing in space. They're both good in run coverage or run stopping. I think those would be dynamite outside three, four linebackers. And then Snow and Holiday in the middle. So that would be your front seven with the same secondary. I think that would be an awesome lineup. And almost prefer it to our four two five setup. I I'm no I don't have a degree in defense. Um and that's obviously way more nuanced than the two of us are probably qualified to really talk about. But when you just look at this personnel on this team, it's so much, it's so enticing to go yeah. to a three, four. And honestly, depending on who we're playing, I'm not opposed to playing three tackles in a three, four, you know, put Barrow, right. Barrow, um, Slade and take your pick. But any of the Maverick Hansen, um Mallory Hunt. Well the, and you know the other thing that this does is if you're running this and you have Darius Snow, which allows you to run this because 
what's the nightmare situation if you're running a three four and the the offense kind of catches you off guard with like three really good receivers and you just kind of you get stuck in there and you, now you need a linebacker to cover a receiver you need a safety to cover a receiver you have Darius Snow you walk him out and now you're basically looking at like a three three five look where Darius Snow is man to man with their slot and you're fine right so like if you kind of uh, like if you if you play it that way where it's like this is our base three four but if somebody brings a, a receiver if they bring the running back out and motion him out into the slot snow you just follow him and then we'll take care of the rest in here and and suddenly that's just like oh that that makes me feel really nice the good news is we have the personnel to be this versatile it's just a matter of what our playbook prefers and what our coordinators prefer. Um, right. And, and but I and think something we've talked about before you've talked about is like, how much can these guys really put on their plate to like learn all these different keys and different right. formations? And Yeah. This is not the NFL where they have eight hours a day to learn different playbooks and different techniques and different looks. I mean, they're practice times limited and the amount of practice they get in an off season is very limited um, in comparison. So yeah, it's tough. Uh, I think four two five will certainly be the look to start the year. But we mentioned this before too on a previous episode that you don't you need those tune up games early in the year to install any kind of other defensive look. It's not like the offense where you're saving half the playbook for later in the year. Like the defense, these guys need live reps mm-hmm. with these looks. So if you're going to add this stuff, these new formations to the playbook, you got to do it on teams that you can afford to do it against, right? You can't be installing that against Michigan or Ohio state middle of the year. So yeah, we we should see in the first two weeks, what kind of plans the defense has in store. But I do think moving a guy like Darius snow down to linebacker just opens up so many possibilities. Um, And it's, it's hard to believe again, we said it before. It's hard to believe they'd create such a backlog at linebacker if they weren't going for new formations this season to get more. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just doesn't make any sense. If you're just going to run your four, two, five, then this whole off season makes no sense to me. Like we're going to be looking back on this podcast in like January. If we just ran our four, two, five for like 80% of snaps. And we're going to be sitting here like, what the hell was the point of that off season? Why did we do that? None of it would make any sense. Another telling, what I think is a telling position change is Tank Brown going back to linebacker because he is not a four-two-five linebacker. No, like you could not put him. And that so linebacker. again, this is in our three-four, right? He's listed for me as as a backup three-four outside linebacker, right. which kind of feels about right, right? Right. So yeah, I would love to see that. I wouldn't even hate the three three five. Um, right now, all of this—it's revolves... basically a a three four that can turn into a three three five, depending on how the offense lines up it, and whether Darius Snow has to walk out into the slot or not. That's all kind of the way I look at it. All of this revolves around our secondary being good enough, because then the three three five essentially becomes a six man front with Darius Snow back at nickel, right and. which is ironic uh but yeah man i mean we just the personnel it's 
you got to get the the right guys on the field. Having two defensive ends in a four two five on the field with our roster, and having only two linebackers on the field in a four two five with this roster would be such a waste of talent. You're pretty much begging linebackers to transfer at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm really excited to see what they can do. I hope they don't make it too complicated. I, honestly, I think one of the biggest challenges last year is that the cover three, the four two five cover three, was just a look that a lot of those guys had never played in, and it took them more than a season to understand what the hell's going on. So going to something with all kinds of looks, if there's a downside, I know we sound excited about it, but if there's a downside, it's that <laughs> there's a ton, there's a huge learning curve if they do something like that. So the the last look that I'll throw out here, um, I kind of created like a little third down package. And I think if if you watched Michigan State football last year, you know probably the most frustrating thing of everything that we watched last year, which wasn't too much. I mean, we won 11 games. We could not get off the field on third down to save our lives. And that's why when you look at the overall numbers and how many passing yards did we give up, it was a lot. How many yards did we give up? It was a lot. But then you look at like the yards per play, the EPA per play, it was like, eh, it wasn't as bad, but it was just the offenses ran so many plays against us because we couldn't get off the field. There's a chance that that takes a drastic step forward. Again, depends on how our secondary plays but again a huge part of that i think last year was you had halliday and crouch at linebacker and neither of them could cover anybody so what i did threw together a little four two five here with some different pieces to optimize third and long passing this is to be clear this is like third and eight third and eleven third and fifteen this is like there is no other path but then the offense is is passing the ball. The same secondary, Speed, Gross, Henderson, Kimbrough, Williams across the, the back five. But your linebackers, your two linebackers are Darius Snow, who obviously can cover, and Aaron Brule, who has a lot of experience in space in general. You can bring him on some blitzes if you want to get fun with it, but he's very comfortable covering tight ends and running backs. And then on the D-line, we're going to move some stuff around here. You're going to have Brandon Wright as our third down pass rush specialist. You're going to have Jacoby Winman or Chris Bogle. I have this as the the this player or this player um, on the other side. And then you're going to have Jacob Slade. And then you're going to bump Jeff Petrovsky inside. So your, your four down pass rushers would be Brandon Wright, Jacob Slade, Jeff Petrovsky, and then either Winman or, um, or Bogle. And then you have Snow and Brule, who are both much more comfortable in coverage than Halliday and Crouch were last year. And I think this gives us a much, 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 much better chance at getting off the field on third down than we did last year. And to be clear, again, if it's like third and two, we're not bringing this defense on the field. This is third and eight, third and 11, so on. This is your your pass rush. More than just a third down set, it's your pass rush set, right? Right. It's this your, is we the need pass rush set. and pass coverage. 
So because you get you get snow and brulee out there who can cover. I like the linebackers. I'm fine with the secondary, whatever. Uh, hopefully they're good. If they can cover on first and second down, they should be able <laughs> That's to cover just on the third. secondary. But like I don't know what else to do. If I'm just looking at a front four, I I really want Maverick Hansen on the field. He was one of the most productive pass rushing tackles on the team last yeah. year, especially considering his snap rate compared to the other defensive linemen. To add a little color on third down to what you said earlier, we were 72nd in opponents' third down conversion percentage, just under 40%. League, or the national best was Houston at about 28%. Worst was Kansas at 58%. Yikes. Uh but 40% and we were 100 and lost Michigan state 108 in opponents third down conversions per game at 6.3. So yeah. they converted it a lot. They converted it at a high clip. The defense, I didn't look up opponents plays per game, but I guarantee it's over 100th in the country. I know it was up there. Yeah. Um, especially because our offense scored a lot quickly Quickly, which means yeah. the defense just went back out there for another marathon drive another nine play <laughs> yeah. uh yeah so but yeah i really want maverick hansen on the field um maybe he just you keep petrovsky on the outside i also really want jacoby winman on the field that's the problem right and i think with yeah. snow with brulee on the field you get a really good blitz package as well if you want to bring it if you want to bring the house, Brulee can pass rush too. So he can come down on downhill on the blitz. Um, Bogle could make a huge difference in this conversation. Like I think we've got, we've talked, we've talked a lot of names. We kind of breezed over Bogle. He's, if he is a good pass rusher, if his strengths could come to fruition, he could make a huge difference on this team. If he's not good, I think we can get by right with the rest of the personnel and things we can do. But like if he's a decent pass rusher, going back to a four, two, five feels a lot more comforting because you're actually getting production out of a standard four down front. Um, but if I have to put four hands in the dirt on third down right now, uh, I'll take Winman Petrowski on the outside without Bogle on the outside until he can show me he can do it. And I'll put Slade and Hanson on the inside. Yeah. I, I, your point with Bogle there is good because I think you said it really well there where it's like, if he's not great, we'll be okay. We'll be fine. But if he, it's similar to a mere speed, the way I look at it, like Bogle and speed, if they play to their ceiling, all of a sudden we look at the whole defense differently. And and that's what I think Bogle could represent. Problem is, the guy's played three years of relatively steady snaps and has seven career sacks. As much as I want to believe that he could be a star, there's not a whole lot to go from. It's the same with speed. As much as I want to believe that he's going to walk in and, and lock down opposing number ones, he started three games like what in, I don't really have a lot to go from like Kenneth Walker. Nobody predicted what he did, but you could look at his production at Wake Forest through a couple of years. He had like 20 some touchdowns in two years. 
you could look at that and be like, he could be really, really good. <laughs> like, and, and feel relatively confident predicting that. With these guys, it's you're hoping more than anything. Yeah, Kenneth Walker in 2019 at Wake averaged six yards a carry. In 2020, he averaged five yards a carry and had 13 touchdowns. Right. And then he went so there to was a little LSU, bit more average 6.2 and 18 touchdowns. So, yeah, yeah he, he it still cracks me up. He had 579 yards, both his first and second year. I know. <laughs> uh, I love that consistency and then 1600. But that didn't really fit the narrative, but I'll take it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the defense as a whole. How are you feeling like you're Scotty Hazleton and Mel Tucker and you're smoking a cigar, you're chatting it up on a Friday and the end of a long week of camp. You're like, all right, season's getting close. Like how we feeling? You know, we knew what, we know what happened last year. They were pros. There were certainly cons with the defense last year. Looking at this year, how we feeling? It's, it's a cop-out answer, but it's, it all depends on the stuff that we don't know, which is how are the kids picking up the looks that they're giving them? Cause I think if, if I throw this into my Madden create a team and simulate it out, I think again, between the three, four that I put together and the pass rush, like third down package I put together, I'm like, we're cooking with gas here. Like we've got we've got some stuff to work with, but that's all counting on a guy like um, Darius snow, just stepping into a linebacker spot and being completely comfortable and being a stud from day one and counting on a guy like Jacoby Winman being able to step down and, and play off the edge and then being able to step back and play off ball playing in different formations and a guy like Kimbrough coming in and, and being really good in the nickel, a lot better than he was in the outside. Like the when I look at it at first on paper, like when I put this together over my coffee this morning, I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be good. Like we we fixed it. We're good. And then the more you think about it, you're like, we're counting on a lot of things to go right. We're counting on Williams to get better. We're counting on speed being just good from day one, which you know we haven't seen a lot of him. We're counting on Bogle to be like a starting caliber Big Ten defensive lineman, which we don't know. We haven't really seen it. We're counting on Snow stepping in a linebacker and being really good from day one. We're counting on Gross taking a, a step up at free safety with another year. Like We're counting on quite a lot of things to go right which worries me. Yeah, I think there's some bias in these off-season conversations too. I think it's really easy to look at the team you had last year and the team you're bringing in this year and and you're looking at it like, well, we we should on paper be better here. We have this option now. This guy came in so we're deeper here. It, but it's all how are we relative to how we how how does this team stack up to last year's team? Right. The reality is that doesn't matter at, at all. all. <laughs> the only thing that matters is how does this team stack up to our opponents? And you don't know until you see it on the field. Our opponents could have all gotten tremendously better as well. And you know what? There's podcasters for each, eh, maybe not each one, most of those teams sitting wherever they record, just like the two of us, 
comparing their team to last year going, I just don't see how we couldn't be better this year. But there's there's a Maryland podcast out there who's like, we we went to a bowl game last year and had all these injuries and we have to be better on defense than we were last year. Like this this could be a nine win team, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot to count on when everybody in the country is working their tail off to be better than you. Uh, and this is all assuming we stay healthy and nobody transfers and whatever else. Mel Tucker doesn't go off to the NFL. Like anything can happen. We've seen <laughs> right. it all the time. And I've, I saw today somebody on Twitter saying like, I don't understand how all of these analysts are picking Penn State to beat us this year. And I'm like, what? how do you – like they're a very talented team playing us at home. What do you – just because we won 11 games last year doesn't mean that Penn State is a sharpie guaranteed win going into the season. Right. Like <laughs> we got to slow our roll a little bit here. We got to we got to understand that we're projecting a lot. And I don't want That's fine, but I don't want to be too much of a downer because I am excited about this team. But I think there's a certain amount of magic that happened last season, like game to game, not even full, like game to game during the games, magic happened to get to 11 wins. Pitt easily could have been a loss. Nebraska (laughs) easily could have been a loss. Indiana could have. Michigan absolutely could have been a loss. I mean, we could have been a six win team. We weren't because we had the mental toughness. We found the inches. We got the breaks and we won 11 games. But in reality, we were probably like on paper an eight win team last year. And on paper this year, we're probably an eight-win team. And we might find the inches, we might get the breaks, and we might make the plays to win another 11 or 12 games. But we might win six because all of a sudden we don't get the breaks. It's it's yeah. important to keep that in perspective. That said, full steam ahead. Let's do this. Oh, thing. absolutely. Yeah, we got predictions coming up next week, and we'll see how, uh, how we feel on paper with our uh, little projections here. I, I think we're both locked in to our predictions are you are you still wavering at all or are you locked in i made one adjustment and we are putting it in stone i can i can live with where i'm at now and uh yeah we actually wrote them down this year so we can come we can go back and look uh yep so so we'll have that next week we have we have both made our predictions and neither of us have looked at the other persons at all so we will be revealing it live to you as well as to each other uh, next week. So next week we'll have the Michigan State schedule. We will go game by game. We'll talk about uh, how we match up with some of these teams, how we look on paper compared to some of these teams. Uh, and then we'll go through our whole Big Ten rankings as well, um, standings, I should say, as well. Uh, who's going to come out of the West? What's Ohio State going to look like? What's Michigan, Penn State, all of that. We'll have an episode to talk about it. Who's going to win the Pac-12? Who's going to win the SEC? We'll go through some kind of big national stuff. Uh, maybe I'll run through a couple of my college football preseason win total over-under bets. I have like 20 of them, so I might as well rifle off a couple if people are interested. Um, but yeah, next week is is prediction week. We'll get, uh, we'll get our guy Scott Brown on the podcast, um, and we'll have our week zero picks like, College football is here, baby. We are full steam ahead. We are ready to roll. So until next week, Scott, anything else before we wrap this up? Go white.
I know that's early, but that's all I got left. <laughs> all right. So everybody, hope you have a great weekend. I will be, uh, I have a long drive ahead of me as you're listening to this probably uh, for me tomorrow, for you guys today. I got a wedding this weekend uh, back in Poland. Uh, so I will maybe be very hungover the next time you hear me on the podcast. We'll see if it's a two day hangover or not. Um, God, God be with me, please. And uh, yeah, other than that, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Go green. Go white.